Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the Friday Plan Extra podcast here at an empty uh, Goodison Park. And where Palace have lost 3-1 to Everton, this pod is sponsored by Miranda Jane Photography. For professional unique photography of weddings and more, go to mirandajanephotography.co.uk. And I'm joined by a duo we haven't had on the Extra pod since last year, I, don't, I believe. Um, it's Adam Sells and Rob Warlow. How are you, lads? Not great. <laughs> <laughs> I would say good evening, but it's a bad evening, really. It's not great. Rob, how are you, mate? I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I've been better, but I'm okay. Good stuff. Well, uh, let, let's crack on straight with, with... Well, instead of the game, let's crack on with that first five minutes in the second half, Adam, because that's where everything changed. It was a good first half, and then it was like the Arsenal game, but obviously fewer, fewer minutes. It all just fell apart for Palace. Yeah, it did. Um, I thought the first half was a bit of a scruffy game of football, to be honest. Chances were few and far between but I think given the personnel and the amount of players we were missing the game really suited us to a degree and at half time I was reasonably confident we might come out of the game with a point I didn't think we looked in a lot of trouble but also we didn't cause uh, Everton too many problems but as you say that sort of five minutes at the start of the second half really uh, cost us dear because uh, There was no coming back from that. And uh, even then we did have a couple of terrific chances further on. And we didn't make them stick. Uh, Benteke had a real good clear chance from a header. And uh, Sola also uh, forced um, Pickford into an excellent save. But probably at the only height he could save it really for a keeper. If it's a bit lower or a bit higher it's a goal. But... uh, that was the difference. I, I don't think they had too many more chances than us in the context of the game. But as you know, when you're in the ascendancy, you have to make it stick. And sadly, we didn't do that today. And that has, Rob, been a bit of a story of Palace this season sometimes, isn't it? Having chances. Apparently got the highest XG, which I know is a bone of contention for a lot of our listeners, um, of any team in the Premier League, I think, this season. 
it's the same old story, not converting chances and then giving away silly goals. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I agree with Adam that they didn't create too many chances today, neither side, to be fair, but... Yeah, Everton made them count, you know, and, that, and that's that was ultimately the difference between the two teams. I mean, yes, Benteke had two good chances with his head, really. I mean, normally he's pretty good with his head, and you know he got up well for them, but just didn't direct them quite on target. You know, I mean, the, the one when Palace were two 0 down was a guilt edge chance, really. I mean, you'd expect, you know, how many times in the past have you seen Benteke rise it up in the box and that goes in the back of the net? Well, I think he scored exactly one like that this yeah. time last last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's just not quite falling for him at the moment, is it? It's, it's unfortunate, you know. I mean, it, but today it came at the wrong times. You know, if if that had gone in, all of a sudden it's a different game. It's two one with half an hour to go, and you think, right, Palace can get back in this, but it it doesn't go in, and then a few minutes later, the you know bang at the other end, it's three nil, and it's just those little things that aren't going for Palace at the moment. And you know, we know that fine margins can decide Premier League games, and at the moment. Unfortunately for Palace, they're not not dropping quite in their favour. I feel like, Adam, we've been saying that a lot on this pod. I feel like the three of us have said that a few times this season, not just the Benteke thing, but the thing's not going our way. Yes, I I must say, I had visions of the Swansea away game, which was the last time the three of us did this together. And half-time, that game had a a sort of similar feel as that one. And I thought we might sort of grind out a a sort of dull draw, really, if you like. but if I have a criticism, really, I think the team's a little bit unbalanced as it is at the moment. Saw a lot sort of uh, running as a wide player, looking like a centre-forward playing wide. And I'm going to say something that probably wouldn't be universally popular with all Crystal Palace fans. <laughs> but um, I think that Chung Young Lee has to play in the current situation because... In a game, you need ball carriers on the pitch and you need people that can go past people with the ball. And your team is as good as how many players you have that can go past people with the ball. And at the moment, of the 11 players we're putting on the pitch, Andros Townsend is the only real ball carrier and the only player that can beat somebody and do something individual. And and that's, you know, I'm clarifying my point there, really, because I felt at West Ham, after Bakary Sacco was injured... I thought Roy should have brought uh, Chung Young Lee on then as well, just because we were in the ascendancy and you have a sort of like-for-like sort of ball-carrying player that, that can dribble and do a little bit. And I thought that was missing today. I thought we were a little bit pedestrian. We only looked like scoring when we put sort of the, stuck the ball in the box and we were an aerial threat. But I do think it's something we're going to have to consider because I just don't know where the magic is going to come from during the games at the moment without Wilfred and uh, without the other players that we're missing. Well, he doesn't, Roy doesn't have many other options, really, apart from Chungy when, you, when you're looking out wide, does he, at the moment? He doesn't, but I think it's quite telling that he didn't make a substitution again. You know, it's not the first time that's happened. And to me, it, it sort of suggests that he's not confident enough in those players that are on the bench to make an impact, make a difference. I mean, talking to Chung Yong Lee, he was there, you could see he was warming up within five feet of the manager with five, ten minutes to go. You know, it was almost as if to say, come on, get me on, you know, let, let me have a go. But he wasn't, you know, and, and I mean, Roy was fairly complimentary about Chung Yong Lee in midweek at his press conference and said, you know, we're, I'm pleased to have him here. It's, it's yes, in an ideal world, you know, if we, if we could have afforded the luxury of letting him go, we might have done in January, but because of the injury to Saka, they couldn't. And so, therefore, he said, you know, he's going to be that much closer to the first team. Well, at the moment, he looks as far away from the first team as he's been for a while. And, that, and he's sat there on the bench. You know, he's, 
I, I feel a little bit sorry for Chung Yong Lee. You know, I think he, yes, you could argue he hasn't made the most of the opportunities when he's had them, but in the current position, there aren't many other players to turn to, and yet he's not being turned to each time. You know, he's, he's being left as an unused substitute. So I can see Adam's point, and I think there are, you know, a, a bit of a, it's a bit of a paucity of options really because he hasn't got many players now because of the injury situation. You know, he, he could look at perhaps putting Patrick van Aanholt further forward and playing, moving someone across the left back, either bringing in Pat Suarez or, or moving Tim Fossimenser or Joel Ward across the left back. That's an option. I mean, we know Patrick van Aanholt is quite good getting forward, and you could see in the second half today he was trying to, but at the same time, probably aware, well, I've got a defensive job to do. But yet, yeah, one time he got the ball in the box was for Surlot, and you know, that was a great cross. So perhaps that's an option for him. If, he, if he's not willing to give the likes of Chung Yong Lee a go, he's got Adele Rakip on the bench now as well. You know, he's a central midfielder by trade, but you know, what, what's, why not give him a chance? He's, he hasn't had an opportunity so far. He scored for the under-23s the other day. You know, even if you put him in centre midfield and perhaps push MacArthur out left, you know, there, there, are, there are a few options available to him. But I agree that he needs to do something slightly different. And the thing is, they're not all great options. You know, we've got a squad decimated by injury. And Roy, who we'll hear from in a bit, does keep referencing these injuries and how unlucky Palace have been. Have they been unlucky to be in this situation, Adam? Or should this be something that they should have prepared for? I don't think you can prepare for 11 players missing. You could field a very good team, you know, a very good Premier League team from the players we couldn't call upon today. I think, is it 10 or 11 players? Yeah, I'm thinking think, you've yeah. got Julian, you have uh, Kelly... Sacco, um, Schlup. Schlup and Dan. So there's your back four. Yeah. Uh, Punch Ruben. and Loftus Cheek. Yeah, Wilfred, Bakary, Sacco, yeah. and uh, Connor. Connor Wickham, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, it, you know, it's not a bad side, really. When you look at that, you would be reasonably happy to field that in the Premier League. I have to say, you know, many of those would be in my Crystal Palace team. That's for sure. Um, and I think. You know, again, I'll qualify the comment about Changi because I know he's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, and Andy described him as a five-a-side player during the week on your podcast, which is a conversation I've had with him numerous times. But he he is technically very decent, and he can go past people, and he can carry the ball. And I think Crystal Palace today were lacking thrust. It was a little bit pedestrian, and. I think you, you, you have to have the way that we play, a bit of thrust in the final third where you can get the ball wide to people that can carry it and cause a problem. And Townsend right now is the only player who can go by people. And as I said to you earlier, I think you can, you can really... I look at teams and often how good they are is by how many players they've got that can carry the ball and do something individual and go by people. And... If you look at it when we've got everyone fit and firing and you have uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Andros Townsend, Wilfred Zaha, you know, Bakary Sacco's done well, of, uh, you know, in recent months, you know, then you have a bit of a threat. And today, you know, not that I'm, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of James MacArthur, but not particularly as a wide player. And, uh, you know, he didn't end up there in the last second half last week and, and today, but... I think you, you must have a balance of perhaps uh, you'd have to look at your midfield three and say MacArthur, Kabaya, Luca, probably one of them can't play and you're going to have to have another ball carrier 
in your side to give you a little bit more balance and a bit more of an attacking threat. The problem, the problem is, that, as we saw today, that when your only man that can do that is Andros, he gets doubled up on. And clearly Sam could see that if you stop Andros getting the balls into to Christian, then you'll cut out the chances, and, and that's what happened. Um, anyway, speaking of Roy, let, let's, um, let's hear from what he said, and, and Sam as well. Uh, these are the thoughts from both managers after today's 3-1 win for Everton at Goodison Park. No. For the first half, we did very well. In the second half, we went two goals to nil down to. Like fairly early on, but I thought we stayed in the game. We kept working hard and playing hard, so I'm absolutely not disappointed with them at all. I'm sad that we didn't get a result, because I thought at half-time we were more than capable of getting a result. But it's all about goals, and Everton got them when we didn't, so they, they win the game. But there's no question for me of being disappointed in the team. I thought they did as much as... I expected them to do, but it would have been better for me if the, especially the first two goals hadn't come their way because I think uh, we would have made, been able to continue as we'd done in the first half and restrict their chances. Well, a lot was made of Sahar's absolute, he still created quite a, a lot of chances and mm. had key moments as well. That yeah. Yeah, I thought that it appeared even at 2-0, you know, I mean, it was going to be tough to come back from 2-0, it is in this league, you know, when you go two goals to nil down against anybody, it's hard to come back, but I thought we kept playing and trying to come back, and I thought some of our football in that period was, was more than acceptable, but it didn't produce the goal, and then, of course, the third goal effectively put the game beyond our reach. Regarding the first two goals, Roy, um, it looked sort of I'm not so certain. I mean, the first goal was was uh, nothing to do with the defence being drawn to the ball. It was a a long goal kick from the goalkeeper. It got headed up into the air, and then the second centre back got caught slightly on the wrong side of Sigerson and dived into challenge and of course as he as Singson skipped past him the other centre half Tompkins went for the block and it deflected off his leg into the goal so I don't know if there was any question of them being dragged across in that one and the second one was very simply a question of uh, we were controlling the, the players we had enough players around the ball in the far corner of the field but unfortunately the ball got slipped in and Andros Townsend got caught on the wrong side of his man and that enabled the ball to be crossed and uh, them to score the goal. Well, a lot was made before the, the game about your relationship with Sam. Is he relieved to have got that out of the way now? Yes, I mean, uh, Sam called me on uh, Friday. What day is that? Yes, called me, called me Thursday. Thursday, Thursday but it was right. So he called me on Thursday evening and, uh, you know, he apologised to me, which I was happy to accept and receive that apology and as far as I'm concerned now that's that matter is belonging to the distant past and I have no nothing more to say on the subject and certainly have no issues with it whatsoever. Great. Thank you very much. One more from I thought he did well in his debut, I agree with that. I thought he did very well he hasn't played for two months. I mean this season in in Denmark finishes about mid December so it's a good six weeks since he played a competitive game and he's only played before 
coming to us, he'd only played two 45-minute friendlies, two 45-minute halves in, in two friendlies. So I was quite surprised that he lasted the pace of the game. I was impressed with his determination and his aggression. And to be honest, we didn't lose today because we were lacking players. We, we lost because the 11 I had on the field today was a, a good 11, I thought. We lost, unfortunately, because we, we were punished for the defensive mistakes that we made. Uh, don't forget all goals are defensive mistakes. There are no goals you can't trace back to a defensive mistake somewhere along the way. But we lost because of that, not because we were totally outplayed and certainly not because uh, Wilf Saha or Mamadou Sako didn't play and uh, we had we had, we had had Serloth and, and Tim Fossil Mensah in centre-back position. Okay. Are you yep. for a drink with the farm now, Roy? Uh, I don't think we have time. We've got to, we've got to trade the catch, so I don't think there'll be time. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. So, what did you make of that performance? Very good. I think that uh, I was just disappointed didn't get a clean sheet in the end. But see, I don't know whether it was a penalty. I haven't had a look yet. It seemed to be handball. Well, I asked Williams what I look at. That. It didn't matter in the end. I'm, Glad to say, and that was a that was again the difference between getting three 0 up and rather than two 0 up, but it didn't really matter. In the end, I thought we played the game out really well, but uh, Dolph defensively very solid today, and and I think from a taking the chances point of view, we finally found the right way to take those chances in the second half, having probed an awful lot in the first without getting getting the reward that we needed. We got the three goals up and. Uh, Sent everybody on very happy, and our home form is is uh, very good. Um, our home results are very good. Our points per game is very good. It's eight games at home since I've been here. That's 17 points, Brian tells me, and that's really, really good home record that we have. We have to keep that up. So we know the one thing we need to change and get better, and that's just the away results now. Wayne Rooney's performance, you seem to have found a slot for him where he can use his passing ability. Here, here, Wayne, Wayne, Tom Davis and Garner here have been very good, very good in not just this game but in other games they have, um, they were in the Leicester game together which they were very good at so uh, we got them back in there again today and, um, and I think that you know we have to go and defend against Arsenal because that's the that's what they'll do to force you back. Here we have to go and take the game to Crystal Palace, and we got those players on the pitch to take it. And I say when you've got the pace and the ability of a Theo on the on the right hand side, particularly, and then you've got the little today the little jinkies, you know, the little tricks that um, Gilfie came out with. We finally got the rewards in the end. We overcame two two injuries in defence today. Um, and uh, the lads that went in coped, coped well. Um, we got a third injury, but it doesn't seem too bad to Garner near the end. That's why Morgan came on. So we've coped with everything that, that was thrown at us today and come out with a great win. Does that mean the other two injuries are more serious, Sam? Yes. Yeah, one's a knee and one's a... I don't know what Seamus is in. I'll have to find out. But I know he's going for a scan tomorrow. Uh, but John Joe stepped in um, into that. No problem at all, and uh, like I said, the substitutes played a big part in the in us winning the game today. Is it related Seamus's injury to his broken leg? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's a mo more of a muscle than it is a, is the to do with the leg. So I think that, um, like I said, the scan will have to be taken tomorrow. And I think the good thing is we're 
on a warm weather training break now having not, not been in the FA Cup but you know if anybody who's who's going to go out to warm weather training uh, get a bit of sun get a bit of sea get a bit of recovery it, it helps the injuries re- improves it and you f- get some fitter quicker recovers the lads and let's come back and go and take the task of trying to beat Watford when we get back so um, it's uh, it's always a very nice feeling when you when you're going to have a four or five days away to recharge the batteries when you've just won the won the last game before you go. Could just ask you what you made of the reception from Morgan when he came on. Surprised, very surprised. I mean, I've not heard it before, um, so so I was a, I was a little surprised, like you know, but. He's a very important part of the squad this year, and I mean, lots of players haven't played up to the potential that we know they've got. But we're starting to get. We've done it at home, and you, you just have to repeat that those last eight games with the points we picked up to say you can't ask for much more at home. Um, but away from home is a bit of a problem. Okay. Thank you. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast Extra here at Goodison Park where Palace have lost 3-1 to Everton. This pod is sponsored by Miranda Jane Photography, professional unique photography of weddings and more. Go to mirandajaneephotography.co.uk. Has either of you guys got a suggestion for a catchphrase from Miranda Jane? Because we are trying to work, work on one. If anyone's, some people have suggested I do instead of I will. No. Um, but if anyone's got anything else that's catchy, then let us know because we are open to suggestions. Not sure there's many different ways of spelling Miranda, is there? To no. go with your other one? No. Miranda with an N. <laughs> no, exactly. No, I don't. We'll keep working on it. We'll keep trying. Um, did, I speak- did you say where the heart is? There's Miranda Heart, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, that's a different Miranda, but yeah. It's different you Miranda, but still, yeah. Well, yeah, you still could still do that. Yeah, why not? Um, well, look, Roy was asked actually by you in the press conference about his thoughts on, on Sirlot today, mm-hmm. your first start for Palace. Um, I personally thought he was one of our better players, mm. to be honest. Did quite well, held the ball up, had a good chance with the header. Seemed quite confident for a man that hasn't played for six weeks and has come from, let's face it, not a very, very good league. You agree with that? Think he had a good game today? Yeah, I did. I thought, I, I thought he was Palace's best player on the pitch today in, in terms of what he offered. I thought he played obviously out sort of wide left but tried to get forward and support when he could. I still thought Benteke was isolated at times up front, but I thought he, you know, he showed a bit of promise really, and he, he got up well. He, you know, he looked for threat in the air. He's obviously quite tall, so you'd expect and hope for that from him. But I thought also he, he looked quite direct. You know, when he got the ball, he tried to get get on it and get forward. And yeah, I, I think there's there's early signs there are promising. I, obviously, it's his first game, and you know, you're not expecting him to be brilliant and from right from the off. It'd be great if he is, but it's a difficult thing to adapt. To a new league, you know, new team. When you've come from a division that, yeah, I agree, isn't perhaps as competitive as the Premier League, playing the Danish football, and he's had six weeks where it's virtually a pre-season for him because the season ended in November over there. So, I think it's difficult to expect too much too soon. But certainly today, I thought he was he, he was promising. Yeah, and, and and all the Norwegian press were talking about eight million. They can't believe they got eight million for him. But actually, judging by that ninety minutes, eight million might actually be a bit of a bargain, Adam. Well, it's a bit early to say. I'm I'm low to uh, uh, give it a big thumbs up or thumbs down. When, you know, I like to see people over a period before I form a, a very strong opinion. I thought he grew into the game today. I thought early on he was a bit scruffy with some of his touches and looked perhaps a little nervous almost. But 
that's understandable, uh, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. And as the game went on, I thought he he contributed and looked a threat. He, he actually reminds me, having seen him for the first time today, of a player that plays in the Championship, Matt Smith, the QPR centre forward. He looks like him. He's built like him, and sort of. Uh, he had some of his traits, really. So, Are we sure it's not him? Yeah, I don't think it's him, but uh, I, he really sort of uh, gave me that. So, if somebody asked me who he's like, that would be the one player that he gave me a strong reminder of. Really, I think I think he did not too bad. As I said to you, he looked like a sort of big centre forward playing wide at times, and. I don't really. I'm not a fan of that. It's very Peter Taylor esque, which he used to do with Scoey and stuff. You know, it's not my, uh, not my thing. Playing target men wide. I know sometimes at the back post that offers a sort of uh, additional threat, but I'm more for square pegs, square holes, round pegs, round holes, really. But he did look like a, as a centre forward. He looked like a number nine playing wide, um, and uh, perhaps a little bit Stoke City almost. But uh, yeah, he in the Tony Pulis era Jonathan Walters and Peter Crouch and co but yeah I thought he did a a decent job second half and he looks like if you're going to stick the ball in the box he's very strong and powerful and he's going to get on the end of a few things so yeah I think there was some promise there today but uh, I'm not going to uh, make any wild uh, statements at this point as to whether it's a bargain or a disaster yeah because you know that Andy Street will come back on that statement if you if you get it wrong but you know, it's a wedding or a funeral, don't you? Yeah, ding, 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 drink. That is very what it will be tonight. You know, he's terrible, he's fantastic, <laughs> you know. So I think we need to see over a little bit of a period first before we can sort of hang our hat or uh, absolutely write it off accordingly, you know. Well, there will be, but there will be, speaking of, sort of weddings and funerals, there will be Palace fans, you know, very disappointed today, Rob. Mainly, I guess, for that, that second half performance. And I saw a few tweets of people saying, oh, we're going down. You know, Palace, Palace are screwed. And there are hard games coming up. Um, but is it really that bad? I mean, it's two points above the drop. It is really not ideal today to have, to have lost that. But it's still a long way to go, isn't it? And, and we have got players coming back. Yeah. I'm trying to get, to get you to be positive for me right now. Yeah, I mean, there are 11 games to go. There's no doubt that the next three on paper are going to be very tough. Um, Tottenham, obviously are in form at the moment they're not going to be easy and we know Palace's record against Man United isn't brilliant in the Premier League yeah. um, Chelsea who knows it could be anything that, that you know they conjure up for that game so that might be the best chance but we've seen it in the past before with Palace they've they've gone to places you know like Stamford Bridge like Anfield and won so why, why can't they again you know alright two of the games are at Sellers Park but they've done that as well they've beaten the, some of the bigger teams at home Palace are capable of it I think Yes, they're obviously going to be missing, particularly for the Tottenham game, missing Wilfred Zaha. Um, you know, beyond that, whether he gets back for Man United or Chelsea, whether they want to risk him that soon after an injury, who knows? But I think there are positives. You know, Palace aren't—they're not like what they were at the start of the season when you were wondering when the next goal or point was coming from. Yeah. You don't—you don't look at them and think that at the moment. There certainly are threats, even without Wilfred Zaha in the team. I think you know, as we said, Sirlot for his first game showed a bit of promise. You'd hope that Benteke can convert one or two of these chances. They're not. It's not like they're not creating chances, so that's a good thing. You know, there are putting balls in the box, and with Serlot and Benteke in the aerial prowess they both seem to have, you'd expect them to get on the end of it and hopefully score a few goals. And they've still got, you know, Luka Mivojevic can take a penalty. We know that. He's, yeah. if, if they just, just yeah. <laughs> the last two of uh, still winning doesn't matter. Still winning exactly. Um, and 
you've still got people like Johan Kabai and James McArthur who could, you know, pop up with the odd goal. So, no, it's not all lost. Yes, they've got hard, hard games to come, but they've also, beyond that, got teams that are going to be in and around them. Whether they find themselves a little bit lower down the table when they play them and they become a bit more pressure games, you know, must win, we'll see. But I certainly think that Palace has still got enough to stay up. Uh, as a wedding or a funeral, I'd call that stag do. Maybe. I think. <laughs> Where are you, Adam? You at a wedding or a funeral? Yeah, I think that's a fair summary from Rob. Uh, we've got some players to come back, of course. Mamadou um, Sacco is a big loss. I mean, I think last week you saw, after he came on just before half time, I don't think Newcastle had a meaningful shot on target in the second half with him on the field. He's a big player, big, big player for us. Wilfred to come back, big, big player for us. They're two very important players, which. I think, to a degree, we can manage without Scott Dan or Martin Kelly or Jeffrey Schlapp or whatever. You know, you can cope without one or two like that, Jason Punchin, but you, you need those two players give you something that other players don't. And um, I think the presence of Sacco and obviously the out-and-out genius of Wilfred where he can pull a rabbit out of a hat on a pretty regular basis is something that that all teams would miss when, when you don't have it available to you. But, yeah, I'm, I've said to you numerous times before, Palace are a team for me that should be between 7 and 10th in the Premier League. But that's when you've got a fit squad, not when you're missing 10 and 11 players. And that's going to be hard for anybody to cope with, 10 or 11 players. I mean, it is a very, very difficult injury crisis. But what can we do? We just have to get on with it and... Two weeks before the next game, hopefully we'll have one or two that might be available and, you know, we can move forward. But, you know, it is what it is. There's no point in sort of crying about it and people talking about the transfer window and we should have done this and coulda, woulda, shoulda, all that sort of stuff. As I said to you before, you know, knowing the workings of it all a little bit from the inside, none of these things are very easy to do and trying to sign players is difficult. Yeah, I think the way the fans see is you just put a bid in and everyone says yeah great yeah where's you know come and sign for Crystal Palace it really isn't like that and it's very very difficult and players and clubs are all spinning plates they're telling three different players are going to sign them the players are telling three different clubs are going to sign for them and it's only when it really comes to the crunch that anybody knows and that's why you have to be ready to to juggle a little bit at the end and yeah I can see that people would have thought one or two more players would be uh, an issue. I mean, we have one squad space, which I think we'll end up trying to sign another experienced goalkeeper. It's something I think they're trying to address just to cover, particularly with Julian out for eight weeks. Then uh, that's pretty critical as an insurance policy. Um, But we have got what we've got, so it's uh, roll up your sleeves, everyone, and get on with it. And I don't, don't think, actually... You know, complaining too much is really going to make much of a difference. I think from, from a fan's perspective, I think everyone has to accept it's not Roy's fault or anybody else's fault we're in this situation. Everyone needs to stick together and get behind the team and roll up our sleeves and let's grind out those four wins or whatever we're going to need to get us over the line, you know? Yeah. I'd call that a Hindu, maybe, that one. Okay. Yeah, you're saying I'm an old woman, basically. <laughs> I would never say that about you. Um, let's wrap it up there, then, guys. Uh, thanks very much for joining me for this first match pod. I'd like to say it was a pleasure, but can you have me on when we win? It's much more fun. <laughs> have you not what, not been on for a win yet? Yeah, Leicester. Yeah. Oh, okay, Leicester. That was my debut, but I need. Uh, I only want to come and talk when we win. It's been downhill since then. I think it's a win, drawn or defeat, isn't it, for Adam? It's consistent. 
bang average, <laughs> as I've been described on numerous occasions. <laughs> right, guys, thanks for listening. Full pod with you this week. Um, so, yeah, look out for that. And stay positive. We'll be all right, maybe. Who knows? Thanks for listening. Bye. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com commercials. Sports Social Podcast Network.